the question of finding passion is inherently the wrong question uh, because passion isn't something that's extrinsic. It's not something that you can just go around finding. Um, what you do with passion is you activate it. It's an internal feeling and response to your engagement with your environment, but it starts with you first and understanding the things that drive and activate you as a human. Because passion at the end of the day, if you want to break it out into a simple formula, it's meaning times investment. It's doing the things you find meaningful over and investing in it, whether it's energy, time, money, whatever that case may be, that effort is what engages and stimulates the feelings of passions. Friends, welcome to the podcast. My name is Thomas Hoffman, and I will be your host today and in the future episodes. So, welcome to the Lifestyle Mastery Podcast. What's good today, people? Welcome to Lifestyle Mastery Podcast, episode number twenty-six, with myself, Thomas Hoffman, and Kira Day. Uh, so, today's discussion is all about passion. And uh, we're going to dive pretty deep into intricacies and ideas and frameworks, what activates our passion and the idea of why maybe finding passion is, as Kira mentioned, a, a wrong question to ask and what should we do instead. Um, there's obviously a formula that she dives deep into, which is very, very interesting to understand um, what drives us? Um, there are certain passion drivers that we touch up touch up on, and uh, yeah, this is very very interesting discussion. If you are someone that's looking for igniting that fire within within the belly or within the heart, then this is definitely a episode to tune in, um, take some notes, or either review it for the second time. So, without further ado, I will give you here a day. We are going to be discussing about passion, and I'm really passionate about this discussion. I'm really excited to have you, Kira, in my show. So how are you doing? What's happening in your world today? Oh, thank you so much, Tomo. And I know we've been chatting on and off for about a year now. This is the first time we're actually speaking live. So I'm excited to be here, and I'm really grateful for the opportunity to have this conversation because this is my passion. So <laughs> thank you. That's it. That's it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually writing a book right now uh, in a process and there's a, one of the chapters will, will be more than likely, it's still in the works, but <laughs> we'll be touching about passion for sure and, and passion drivers and how that relates to performance and lifestyle and so on and so forth, which is something that we're probably going to get to, I'm sure, in the second half part of the conversation. But let's start from somewhere. Um, actually, let's start from here because I'm seeing the bookshelf behind you and I'm so intrigued what's yeah. what's back there there's a whole bunch of different colors and books and so on and so forth what are um, you reading at, what are you reading at the moment so all of these have already been read what you don't see is the mess of books in front of me and beside <laughs> me i keep that out of view um but the books that i'm reading right now actually i'm going back to some of my spiritual roots i'm looking more into the magic of reiki um there's time for the soul and somatic psychotherapy today those are the three books that i'm currently digesting <laughs> interesting interesting yeah. that's super cool so let's actually a little follow-up from there follow-up from that is uh is that the spiritual journey or the spirit or 
energy, whatever people want to call it. Is that been always with you or is it more like it comes, you know, comes and goes or is it something that you're diving deeper into it mm -hmm. in your, in your like current, current self? Thank uh, the spiritual side, I don't talk about too much. So thank you for opening it up with that. There's very few questions I get asked around that subject. But I think it's been with me my whole life. I've had a lot of very interesting experiences when I was younger that have challenged my worldview. And it got me very curious about what else is out there. How can we begin to even understand it? Um, you know, I, I grew up with a fairly religious fairly religious parents who didn't love my spiritual meanderings, but I, I don't know, I've just always been very curious about um, energy and connection and what it all means. It's the mysteries that can consume my mind at times. So, mm. Interesting, interesting, because I, I had a pretty much of a deep dive into sort of spiritual life, if you will, back in my days, I was in this sort of festival communities and so on and so forth. And there was a kind of my like brother from the other mother, if you will, he kind of took me under under his wing and showed me uh, what, what that world is like. So I was, uh, I've been exposed to that a little bit as well, for sure. Um, yeah, but just going from there. So you, you mentioned a little bit about your background um, for, for the people that, especially sort of my community that possibly been living under the rock and never heard of you. <laughs> so, so let's, uh, let's tell a little bit of your story and maybe, you know, we could start off by who was, who was Kira Day at 16? What were you doing? Where were you based at? What were your sort of thought processes and circles and so on and so forth? I feel like Kira at 16 has been locked out of my memory. <laughs> wow. Um, I had a lot of adversity growing up. And my teenage years were just a mixture of me trying to understand life, me trying to understand myself, um, where I wanted to be. I think that's the age group, too, where you're trying to decide what you want to do for the rest of your life, which is completely messed up because <laughs> you don't even know yourself at that, at that point in time. Um, and there was a lot of pressure within my family home and things like that. Two years later from 16, I would have ended up in a very abusive relationship and gone through some substance abuse problems and different things like that in that nature as well. And another thing I don't talk about, so thank you to Amo for opening up the page <laughs> for all the things. Um, but yes, it was, it, was very, it was a very, I would say, dark part of my journey. Mm. And probably the number one thing that broke me to rebuild me. So a lot of, I would say, who I am today, what I do today, how much I care today can be attributed really to those times. Um, mm. So yeah, that was me back then. Wow, that's, that's an interesting one because, I mean, 16 or 16 to 18, that's, that's very early. Yeah. Um, that's the very early days. And as you mentioned, you know, I was blessed to have a very safe and secure environment, a whole bunch of good friends. And, but for me, that kind of, that type of growth, if you will, I mean, we all go through some kind of growth in some point of our lives, I suppose, especially that inner growth, but having more sort of, you know, mid twenties and so on and so forth, when I sort of got exposed to the real world, if you will, mm -hmm. um, so what was it like after that? So sort of after 18, did, did you still 
you kept growing and you know having that internal inquiries and sort of deep reflect reflective thoughts and yeah. were there friends helping you or maybe mentors or what, what were the sort of helping hands if you will um, during that journey i think back in the day i had one helping hand who was my father mm. um, i think he was the person that you know um was meant to be in my life at that time i don't know what i would do or where i would be if, if it wasn't for a lot of his guidance and mm -hmm. and his constant unconditional love for me and my messiness <laughs> uh, but you know i think at that time um it was a very lonely period for me a lot of the people that i was around and associated with weren't um didn't were in their own pain and weren't able to see past their pain to understand mine or understand what to do with mine so that that part of my life was again it was it was a pretty dark stage that being said um i think i doubled down on trying to understand more of the spiritual parts of my nature back then because it was a really good anchor for me and in some ways an escape um, as well. But all of that to say, um, I think it was around the age of 23, 24, where things really started to turn around. And it was within that age category that I started to redefine myself. I started to see myself not as a product of my environment, but as a person who can create her own environment. And so that was my breakthrough years where I really started to think about, well, what do I want out of this, right? Is this the kind of life I want for myself? No. Do I, can I depend on other people to create my life for me? Absolutely not. So if I can't do any of those things, then who am I and who do I need to be and how do I need to show up in order to create the kind of life that I want and to correct the things that have happened? Um, so I found a lot of my own inner strength around that time period and I doubled down in the corporate world. That was mm -hmm. that was the place where I found safety. That was the place where I found control of my destiny. That was the place that I yeah, I just I just kind of went full throttle in my career and, and trying to understand what I wanted for myself. But I was starting from ground zero. So passion wasn't even a part of the conversation back then. Yeah. Uh, it was more about necessity and getting my shit together and creating a financial foundation for myself, uh, supporting my family. Like a lot of those, um, a lot of those types of, I think, priorities were mm -hmm. in center for me at that time in my life. Love it, love it. Um, just the last one from that sort of one, like when you when you're wearing that sort of turnaround section when the things were like oh okay we're going down and it's like okay there's the dip and yep. then on that sort of the, that uphill the start of the uphill if you will if you can imagine that obviously you mentioned your father were there other mentors books yeah. like what were the elements if you will that mm -hmm. helped you to start to climb up climb back up if you will or getting getting to the clarity if you will so truthfully um I I think a lot of the inspirational things and digging deeply into 
authors and different books came at around 26, 27 for me. Mm -hmm. uh, 23 to 25 literally was like, what am I doing with my life? I was in shock. I was mm -hmm. going through a lot of like post-traumatic stress stuff and um, and that and all of these words I had no idea of. I didn't even have the vocabulary for it mm -hmm. at the time. Um, so I would say between 25 to 27 was when I started to get really curious. That's when I started to pick up an addiction of reading because I didn't have access truthfully to, I think, people or resources at the time. Um, I found it in authors. <laughs> I found it in the likes of Jack Canfield. I found it, you know, in the likes of Tony Robbins. Like those were really kind of some influential, influential figures to me in that time period. Um, but then I also got really fascinated about other things. My brain was a sponge and all I wanted to do was learn. Learning was my escapism. Mm -hmm. And it mentally preoccupied me and helped me to, I don't know, like reading, reading became almost like a, like a best friend on my journey. And it was my sanctuary to improve myself to find new ways of thinking about things, to find new ways of dealing with whatever it was I was going through. Um, it was my outlet. So yeah, Stephen Hawking, like, they were, they were just like, I had such a range for wanting to take in information. Yeah. I was just absorbed by it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It, the, the word that stuck out for me from there was the word curiosity. And I definitely, I definitely want to come back to that because I think there's a lot that can be said about that and how that is obviously linked to passion. It's obviously been linked to flow when it comes to flow states that I'm very passionate about and so on and so forth. But uh, yeah. I, I want to come back, come back to that curiosity and that sort of, you know, need or either uh, either um, hunger for learning and growth. That's that's I think part of the puzzle let's 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 get into this whole idea of passion and and maybe uh you can sort of open up how did you, how did your journey then lead to being curious and passionate about passion like what what, what was that like how did that yeah. happen so that that actually matured over a kind of two decade time period right so um so when i started to dive into the corporate world and the understanding I left a lot of what I would call my passions behind. Um, I became very single focused on learning the craft, becoming successful. That was my main driver and motivation for a while. Um, now that served me right up until I started to scale, I guess, well into my thirties. Um, and then I started to realize the sinking feeling that whatever I was doing wasn't really my calling. It wasn't really what I was here to do. Um, and I actively ignored that for a good decade. Mm. <laughs> I, I actively ignored it. I did not want to look at it. I did not want to change the course I was on. I was very stubborn. Um, and that I paid the price in the end for that. And it's a price I will pay over and over and over again because there was so much learning and so much growth that happened from that whole time period of my life. And I'm grateful for every single step that I had taken because, again, for me, learning is everything. And if you're not learning, if you're not growing, then you're not living. 
And um, yeah, so when I about, I want to say I was about 28, late 20s, um, my body broke for the first time. It was just, it had a huge list of symptoms that were showing up that were confusing doctors, was confusing me. And it was the first time that I was just like, wait a second, this body thing doesn't just last and work forever. I'm like, why, how does that happen? I'm young, like what's going on here? Um, and I found it to be really annoying at first. I was just like, I got shit to do. I don't have time to be worrying about these things, you know? And yeah. and, uh, and as horrible as that sounds, that was my attitude at the time. It was my mindset. and. I didn't, I don't think I had a connection to my body. I didn't have, you know, conversation with it. I was very disassociative. Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of trauma responses that I didn't even know were trauma responses, right? Overwork is a trauma response. And, you know, diving into these obsessions and addictions, they're all trauma responses. And it's mm -hmm. designed to, to take you away from the things that pain you or hurt you. Um, and so lo and behold, got back into work, got better, found some answers. Life was great. Um, scaled my career quite aggressively at that time period. So by the time I was in my mid thirties, um, I just gotten married and life was looking up. You know, I just bought my first place. I just got married. Like everything was great. And then bam, body breaks again. Only this time it's scarier than the first time. And it caused a lot of anxiety. It caused a lot of just what was going on. Um, but I think it was the tension I needed to just put the brakes on what I was doing. And at that point in my career, I was on an upcline. So I just landed the largest deal in the company's history. It was a very high profile deal. It would have helped me out astronomically, had I stayed for years to come. And I was very anchored and attached to my identity in that time period, what I was doing and what we do, we do form identities around, right? And a lot of attachments. And I had to break every single thing down when I got sick the second time, because there was no way I could have anchored in or kept going where I was going. My body was telling me so much in so many different ways prior to that, that you need to go in another direction. And I was just not listening actively, like I said. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so I took my type A personality and I'm like, okay, fine. We're going to figure this out. And that's when I started to look at different modalities. I turned away from Western medicine um, and I started looking at more Eastern types of modalities. I started to get back into my spirituality. I started to try to understand what was causing the disconnect, the misalignment. And it was just a really cool spiritual inner journey that I went through where passion was mm -hmm. the thing that came out on the other end of that. Um, and then I got really, you know, curious about these systems that held my system in place for so long, but ultimately was the thing that made it um, And yeah, I just, that's that's kind of the that was kind of the path that led me back to me, I would say. Mm -hmm. And in doing so led me back to me. Wow. Wow. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, well, that's, that's a that's a that's a good story, an empowering story for many people to listen and 
you know, I've, I've spoken about, you know, that, you know, I guess a lot of people can put a word on it, which is the burnout. I'm not sure if that's the word you use, but a lot of people mm -hmm. use that word. Yeah. And on a hindsight for, for me personally, I'm, I'm very much of a high achiever and, you know, pushing the pedals of the metal a lot of the times. But I think what helps me a lot is, is possibly, and I, I've spoken about this uh, in various, you know, other rooms and places and spaces that is the sort of sports background that I was exposed to. And for some reason, for me personally, and I know this, it's absurd for people that, you know, haven't possibly pushed their body like physically that much in a way. But when you, you know, get to those sort of physical edges of your body without the mind, if you will, because the sports are a lot of the times, you know, lack of a better word, not like slightly mindless, but you're pushing just bodily a lot. It helps you understand how your body works. And okay, these are the edges. Okay, these are the boundaries where I'm, where I'm operating. So mm -hmm. how can I regulate? And I almost have like that automatic switch nowadays. If I'm pushing myself too much, either mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, spiritually, or physically, it's almost like my body says like, oh, okay, let's just calm down and let's get some sleep and, you know, let's just relax and take a that's, day off or half a day off or what have you. That's amazing. And I think that was the thing I was missing. I was pushing my mind. I was pushing it past its, its extremes. Um, and I was pushing myself. I was one of those people that would be like, writing an email at four in the morning and then up at yeah. seven thirty or eight for a meeting. And it was just crazy. I was, I was crazy. And I look back on that now and I'm just like, who was that person? You know, um, I, I didn't have those boundaries or those parameters like mm -hmm. you did. However, I think the healing journey that I went on was a journey back to me. Like now I, I am a lot more sensitive to my body's requests of me. I don't fight sleep anymore. I make sure, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm balancing the needs that everybody just needs in order to sustain life and to do it in a way that's healthy. And I think that's why one of the reasons that I am really passionate about um, helping people to understand what healthy passion is, Love because it. it is this constant dance that we're doing one part with our bodies, one part with our minds, one part with life. And those units need to be functioning in um, cohesion in order for things to stay harmonious and be in flow. If any one of those things are broken, then everything else crumbles. So, and these are things we're not taught, you know, and, and they seem to be things that are, you know, um, I don't know, common sense, but is it really? You know, it's like some of these things, they're, they're just not intuitive because we flow to the rhythm that we know. And if the rhythm that we know is chaotic or traumatic, then our body's nervous systems are going to stay to that temperature. And it just doesn't matter what you try to do mentally. It's programmed to be there unless you consciously begin to understand it and reprogram yourself. Um, so I'm encouraged by today, though, because a lot of these conversations are happening more and more. You know, there's trauma-informed leadership. There's a whole yeah. bunch of new waves of conversations where people mm -hmm. are having these conversations more and more. So we're becoming more aware. And I think that's that's where we need to be going. Yeah, I love that. And I think something that uh, you mentioned there, uh, you know, I wanted to pick that. You mentioned, like, some parts might be broken, if you will. But... I would correct me if I'm wrong, but at least while I see it, like sometimes we think something is broken, but it might just be misaligned. 
like that that alignment if you will right? i mean for sure we have parts of us that might be broken but at least in my case a lot of the times it was actually misalignment i, mm -hmm. I don't feel myself that i was possibly broken as such but it was just my mind is pushing me this way and my emotions are pushing me that way and my body wants to go that way and it's like it's just different directions if you will yeah um, i i think you're i think you're right but if you stay misaligned for a very long time things do break exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. real thing. Um, and, and so and so while i i understand and i am cautious as well like i i don't ever want to disempower people and think like i don't think we we as people are broken mm -hmm. but i think there are certain parts of us that if we don't pay attention to them and if they're not in the forefront of our mind you know things things break like a car right if you're driving with your car being misaligned for a while you can expect yeah. something will go <laughs> yeah, um, that. yeah that's yeah. the i'm referring to yeah i love that metaphor and that's that's what a lot of people then don't you know using that car metaphor if you will a lot of people don't recognize those alarms and those signs and red lights it's like oh what is that red light on the dash i i don't mind let's just keep going and all of yeah. a sudden <laughs> you're something right. happens and you're like wait what yeah. i was me i got it yeah exactly exactly but let's let's dive deeper into this whole idea of the passion and i have this interesting question that i came i was journaling about this morning what what would i really like to ask from you about passion is so so let's start from you like what do you think why do people have such a hard time either finding it uh, maybe more importantly feeling it mm. and then lastly living their passion uh, anything that you want to tackle from there what are the obstacles that we are facing okay so let's first start with the whole thing of finding passion this is a pet peeve yeah. of mine yeah. um you know, I think many people have been quoted to say the same thing, but if we start with the wrong questions, we're almost guaranteed to end with the wrong answers. And the question of finding passion is inherently the wrong question uh, because passion isn't something that's extrinsic. It's not something that you can just go around finding. Um, what you do with passion is you activate it. It's an internal feeling and response to your engagement with your environment, but it starts with you first and understanding the things that drive and activate you as a human. And I think the, the challenge with a lot of our education or growing up in our society, and I can only speak to the North American society because that's really the only one that I'm, I'm attuned to, but you know, here, when you move into the when you when you move into school or or you're you're getting educated, you're getting educated on things, subjects, and you're being graded based on your performance of those subjects and how well you can understand and memorize and all that kind of stuff. There is very little focus on getting to understand you and your complexities and your um, intricacies, your talents, your strengths, your values, your um, your motivations, what drives you as a person, um, what's important to you, what's favorable to you. Those things aren't necessarily addressed or looked at um, unless you come from really good parents and, and a really good social structure that enforces these ideas or, or asks about them. You're not going to know to do that internal investigation. So without that level of inner understanding, it's really hard for us to go out there and really activate or feel those types of emotions or those experiences. Because again, 
everything, and you said it perfect, Wilma, everything comes from alignment. When you are aligned externally to your intrinsic drivers and the things that are meaningful to you, that is what sets you up for success and feeling great and all of the things. But we are taught from young to suppress those things, that those things don't matter, that success, it's about money, that, you know, you got to have the things and you got to do the things like it's all about the external stuff. And that's going to get you somewhere eventually, but it won't get you to the places that you think it will get you to if you're not really in tune with what's happening on the inside, with who you are as a person and how you want to express yourself and all of the inner things um, to the outside and how you're going to then take that and be of value in the world. Like those are the questions that you should be asking in order to get to the right answer. And I think what we do is we focus so much on passion because we see it in other people and we're like, yeah, I want that. I want that passion thing. And so I need to do something in order to get it. And I need to look outside in order to do that. Um, but again, I can't stress it enough. It's not about your outside, it's about your inside. And I think once you understand what that is, you can then control the dynamics and willfully um, activate more and more of those feelings and generate more and more of those feelings. So what would you say to someone, um, let's just, you know, go down that, go down that road, someone who is kind of in the search, if you will, or in the path of wanting to activate, or I like the word unlock, maybe your passion, if you will, but it has a hard time to connect, has a hard time for, for connecting to that, that feeling, that sort of passionate self, if you will. Yeah. How or either where would one start that, that's. That journey. The journey. Yeah. yeah. I get that. Um, so oddly enough, this is a process. This is a journey. It's not something that just happens overnight. However, you can hack this, if you may. I hate that word because it totally um, you know, disrespects the process. The process is necessary, right? Like it is a discovery. And inside of that discovery, it's not this linear thing where you're like one plus one equals two. Um, it's more about understanding your internal influences or your drivers. So at the Passion Center, we have a ton of products and programs that move people in that direction in a step-by-step -step kind of way. And one of the first ones that we enter someone through is to understand first what currently today is both setting you up for passion or killing your passion. That's the first thing we need to understand because passion isn't about one thing. It's actually about 15 things that you can break down into four different verticals if you, if you will, so simplify. So those simplifications so that we're aware is the external internal things like I've just discussed. So what are you great at? What interests you? What are the things that you naturally are attracted to? What are the things that you value and you find important? What are the things you went through in your past, the pain points that you've had to overcome? Those will help you to understand what is personally and uniquely meaningful to you. Because passion at the end of the day, if you want to break it out into a simple formula, it's meaning times investment. Doing the things you find meaningful over and investing in it, whether it's energy, time, money, whatever that case may be, 
that effort is what engages and stimulates the feelings of passion. So the Flow Institute, they had worked with uh, scientists at MIT and Harvard, and what they had come to notice was that passion was uh, driven by two neurochemicals. They're powerful neurochemicals that helps to drive focus in the present moment, and they are norepinephrine and dopamine. Those two come online when you engage in something you find meaningful. So when you engage in something you find meaningful, you're brought into the present moment, you're in full participation with the thing, and when you're in full participation with that thing, you enlist those types of chemicals that help you to feel those feel-good feelings. I call it a feel-good hangover, right? So after that, that's what it gives you. And that feel-good hangover, you want to do it again. So it'll give you the motivation to want to bond with whatever that thing is again and again and again. But it takes experimenting and it takes learning about these aspects about who we are in order to drive what fundamentally we find meaningful. So that's the first, that's kind of the first cohort. The second cohort is social. So Basically, how is your environment or how are the people that are around you supporting your ability to express those inner things? If they aren't, um, then that can kill your passion, right? If they are, then that can help you to enable a much more, um, a bigger platform to express yourself if your passion comes online. And then the third one is psychological. This was done by Ryan and Daisy's work um, in self-determination theory. And that has to do with um, what you could master, what you can become really good at. It has to do with autonomy, how much control you have over yourself and your destiny. And it has to do with feeling a sense of purpose or feeling like what you're doing is valuable in some way. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, it's external. So how is your external envir environment setting you up for success? Are you clear? Clarity is a big one. If you're not clear, that's going to trump it. <laughs> um, and then, you know, are you in a position financially where it makes sense for you to explore these things? If you're burdened by the financial pressure, then you're not going to be in the right mindset to, you know, move and flow inside of all of those things because the financial piece of you, and this was my experience, it puts you right into survival mode. And when you're in survival mode, you just cannot access the juice. So, you know, helping yourself to be, um, helping yourself to regulate and get into those open, creative mindsets will allow you the ability to explore and do this discovery. Um, but it cannot be done in, 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 in a survival state. Uh, so those are really the four cornerstones of what helps a person in a supportive way to experience the feeling that we call passion. Well, uh, that's a that's a download and a half right there. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, we definitely have to. Uh, I need to review that and take the notes back out of it. Um, I, I I I did pick up the the first of all the formula that 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 came that was really good. Meaning plus investment times mm -hmm. meaning times investment. Meaning times not plus meaning times investment. Mm -hmm. equals passion mm -hmm. and then the last one that you just mentioned there that you know stuck out was that uh, in a survival mode we cannot access the choose i love that <laughs> be, be, being the passion you know it's uh it's it's so true and you know it it doesn't have to be a financial way obviously it can be a mental pressure relationship what have you whatever are those burdens 
yes. all of a sudden, you know, it limits our access to the to the good stuff, as yes. you mentioned. Yeah, so we do um, heal that yeah. stuff to access that stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The um, what are the other? Well, let's put it this way. Um, I I personally feel like when I was when I was sixteen, I was I, I had a couple of friends, and you know, I'm gonna you know come up to the question here, but when I was sixteen, <laughs> I had a couple of friends that I could see that their their path was laid out. Like they were sixteen, and they're like, I'm gonna be a doctor. Uh, I'm gonna be X Y Z. Like that's laid out. Like, and then lo and behold. 30 years after that's exactly what happened i was like oh how did how, like i had absolutely no idea yeah i literally had like you know 17 different paths yeah. and maybe 10 of them i was really super passionate about i'm still like my passion is still like quite diverse i'm yes. you know outdoors athletics personal development like coaching like there's so many things that i'm like whoa i could do that i could do that <laughs> and, and and for some people it's just like there's just like okay that's it i'm going there i know it mm -hmm. so a little bit selfish question from from here but uh what would you say to someone like myself who's got like really spread out passions and you know very diverse stack of cards if you will i Is would that, yeah go on i would say congratulations you know uh, <laughs> i think i think we live in a in in a period where we have um we have some ideologies around the way that mm -hmm. life should work, you know, and, and, and for those people that were able to identify what they had wanted to do from young ages, good for them. They were able to have the current environment or the current platform support um, their ability to pursue it. But, but we're not made to be these linear beings. Um, we're, we're designed to be mosaics. We're designed to have um, to experience life in diverse ways and to explore things um, in diverse ways. And the more things that you can explore and, and get passionate over, that's just more energy for you. <laughs> um, and so I would say, you know, why only 10 things? Like, go for 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm there, right? But but seriously, I, I I understand that you know in our in our capitalistic structure, um, we're taught that you know we need to have one profession and that one profession you need to put all of your energy into and that's going to get you to success. But that's bullshit, you know. Like we we created that prior to this day and age. We had Copernicus, who was an astronomer, a surgeon, like. There were there were so many different roles that a person can take on and yeah. so many different contribution and values that they can add. So how we change and why we changed, like we're we we're we are people that keep evolving the system. So I I always go back to um well Tracy says says this a lot too, right? Like do you if that's the way that passion wants to be channeled and, and flow through you, then own it. And you know, find a way to explore more. Yeah, I would yeah. say. I love that find, finding a way to explore even more. Yeah, that's it. That's it. One of the one of the sort of saving graces, if you will, in my journey was I think you know years ago I read from Tim Ferriss, and he's he's one of these person like generalists. Yes, yes. There's another another book I forgot the name right now that talks about the power of generalists and even like the army general. That's you know, it actually comes from being a generalist yeah. I was like I was like whoa finally someone gets me like finally like yeah. I'm getting myself it was like oh thank you I don't actually have to 
yeah. be like super detailed in one single thing. There's um, like, there it's, it's called polymaths, right? Right. There's right. a woman that did a TED talk and oh my gosh, I wish I was better with remembering names, but she talks about being a multi-passionite and mm -hmm. how it freed her when she discovered that it was okay to have multiple passions. And, you know, I've worked with people where they'll come in to work with me thinking that they're going after this one thing. And we discover, you know, through a series of questionings, you know, wh why? Mm -hmm. why, is it, why does that one thing matter so much? And as soon as they're able to, I think, crack the code in their own brain about or challenge the assumption that it should look a certain way, then they start to activate the creative and curiosity that is required to go through a real discovery process so that they can activate more of, of how they're meant to express. Um, one girl in particular, I think, you know, she came in really gung-ho, like, I need to find my one thing. And now she's got these five things on the go that are doing amazingly well. And, you know, she's lit up all the time when she talks about it. And uh, and it, it just floods my heart because I'm like, yes, be more you. Like, if you want more passion, be more you. <laughs> That's yeah. how it works. Yeah, exactly. I remember, like, back in, back in my days, like, when I was, I grew up in Finland and, I mean, Obviously, our education system is, is top notch. It's, it's very much held in one of the best in the world. Yet, I remember, I think it was in the school or after school, like in my later days, you know, back in Finland before I left in my early twenties. But I used to people like, "Why are you smiling so much? Like, why, why are you why are you showing so many emotions? Like, the emotional side of things was pretty kind of flatlined how I grew up." And then luckily I was able to travel to like Southern Europe and South America and live in those places and spaces. And I was like, wow, what's happening? Like people are like expressing themselves, like the internal world comes out. Yes. Uh, sometimes a bit too much, to be honest. And, you know, I was like, whoa, what's happening here? This is a completely different experience. And yeah. I think now I've sort of maybe settled somewhere in the middle. I love will. that. I love yeah. that. So they gave you permission to more you, whereas where you grew up kind of, you know, had different ideas about yeah. how to show up and how much emotion you should feel. Yeah, exactly. The um, do you see any like a bit of a downsides of living really through the passions? Like, like, yeah. and what I, what I'm meaning, what I mean by that, I have I have a friend of mine, actually, a really dear friend of mine, and he, he always tells me like, you know, when I meet a new person, especially you know when he meets girls or, or women. Yeah, he yeah. says like, he, he leaves the heart on on the road. Like he can put everything out yeah. at, at, at like that very second. Yes, and that gets him into trouble quite a quite mm -hmm. a lot of times. Like especially in this you mentioned corporate world. Like there needs to be, or at least that's what they say. There needs to be some kind of guardrails and barriers of how we operate. So, can you speak to that? How maybe too much passion or expressing too much passion. Uh, can get us into sort of, you know, maybe unwanted situation or maybe, you know, or, or, or anything along those lines that what comes up to you. For them. So there's two ways that I would tackle this conversation. Um, the first is we're always editing and modifying our behavior in social settings according mm -hmm. to the social setting. Um, and that's, that's normal. But what ends up happening if we edit or modify ourselves too much is that we can lose our, 
our vibrance and ourselves in the process, right? So there is this balancing act that we all have to play with being fully expressed and at the same time um, being respectful of other people in our environment that may not have the same tuning as we do. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I think that's just the social intelligence part of things that we um, that we we do need to climatize to regardless. Um, that being said, I don't think that it's healthy for us to compromise our expression too much. So, and I think that's where we need to find the balance of what are the tribes that are going to support and embrace who we are and kind of move towards that. Um, That's really important. I mean, every study on the planet, and we've got like football fields worth of study on this stuff, right? That supports and says, that our human connections are the number one thing that supports our longevity, happiness, and health, and passion, you know? So if we want to feel more like us, then we got to be around more like us, you know? So, and and when I say connection too, what I'm talking about is trust-based connections, people you feel safe with. Uh, people that won't criticize you. There's a psychological safety element that is required. So that's one one of the components also. Now, the second component that I will mention is that passion does have a dark side. Uh, Dr. Robert Bellrand, who's a social psychologist out of Montreal, and he's done a paper back in, I would say, 2003. And it showed that passion's that on the scale. I've modified that scale at the Passion Center, but for him, <laughs> Um, he, he has, and there's another, uh, Dr. Mate, Gabe, Gabe Mate. Um, Mate? Yes. Thank you. Um, he, he has another one as well, and it's about passion and addiction. Mm -hmm. Dr. Robert Bellerin talks about uh, harmonious passion and obsessive passion. And in all the studies that he's done, 300 plus, it's shown that when you're in the harmonious, passionate side, then your psycho- like your psycho- your psychological health increases, your emotional health increases, all the things. But when you're in obsessive passion, it actually decreases the same amount as having no passion at all. Mm-hmm. And so the way that I understand it from my lens is that it's actually a spectrum of a scale where you've got no passion on one side, the other passion is like, you know, full passion, all the way passion. In the middle, you've got healthy passion. When you're obsessively passionate, it actually reduces your resiliency towards uh, feedback, pivots, essential evolution processes, all that kind of stuff goes out the window because mm-hmm. you're too hyper-focused on this thing. There's too much emotion behind it which can be very paralyzing and too much of a good thing is a bad thing. So, you know, the, the, and usually what creates obsessive passion is usually because of some kind of unresolved trauma that we have in our system that's dysregulated our nervous system to the point that we have to overly escape in something. So there's a ton of back-end science and psychology that goes into why people become obsessively passionate the problem is that, you know, in the world of business and in the world of social media, a lot of people are praised and glorified for these, you know, about having too much. Mm-hmm. 
So right. we have to be careful with that. To get back to a harmonious level of passion, it's about having a relationship with something without compromising all of the other things that you need to be a happy, healthy person. So, you know, balancing your passion with your relationships and making sure that one doesn't oversee the other, making sure that your passion doesn't come before your health, your exercise, your food, your hygiene, like all of those things. And that's where we can find our sweet spot. But it's really, again, around exercising our muscles mm -hmm. when we feel the things that we feel and knowing what part of the scale you fall on, understanding why it's there and how you can incrementally get better and better and better at experiencing more of the good stuff without compromising other good stuff. Love it. Love it. Um... So much. I, 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 we're, I, I'm mindful of our time and really grateful for your time already. And uh, also, I wanted to acknowledge everybody um, that's listening to us. And what you mentioned there about the um, about the obsession, I want to, you know, challenge you just a tiny bit on this. And this is my own experience. Um, and then how this relates to performance, and especially sort of high achievers and performers and you know, yes. A players, if you will, and so on and so forth. And I, I take an example, well, this is his words, I suppose, the late Kobe Bryant, and he always talks about obsession, yeah. like be obsessed. And I, I follow some other people that are very inspirational and a whole bunch of people follow them. And they are like, you know, the, the way they come across is exactly what you mentioned. It's kind of beyond passion. Right. And they talk about this obsession. Yeah. Right. Um. And I see them doing like amazing things in the world and they are fully focused on this one thing. And, you know, they may have dramas. I, I mean, I don't know about the internal world. I mean, but how they come across, they seem to have it, you know, we, we, we just never know, but they seem to have it pretty well sorted out. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, I might be completely wrong. So I would love to hear you speak a little bit more about that sort of, especially from side of performance. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we touched a little bit about the flow and that's sort of the, the sweet spot where we're going to be at, but how that sort of passion maybe relates. And is there, do you think there's a healthy obsession mm -hmm. and then how, how those things kind of relate to our, our performance, if you will. You know, these words are really big words and they're mm. packaged so differently by many people who experience these words, right? right. That's what's so, um, that's what I'm becoming more aware of. You know, there's always two definitions. There's the one that someone agreed that the word is going to be in, and then there's how we package the words individually. I wouldn't, like, Kobe, I, I wouldn't have, have pegged Kobe as being on the obsessive passion side because he had a lot of balance in his life too, right? right. He was an amazing dad and he, you know, he, he had good partnership. Like there was just, you know, he was out there doing good in the world and playing. So there was, there was a lot of different dimensions that he was able to keep in proper balance. And I think that's the important thing. Mm -hmm. The important thing is about balance um, and, and understanding that when we're driven and when we're channeling our energy towards a certain ideal or a goal or a some some level of success that we want to achieve, there's always going to be some element of dedication and commitment that's behind that. Obsession is a it it, it can be a 
fuzzy word because obsession and addiction have very similar qualities to each other and they can be subtractive um, in terms of how we uh, experience it. And I think there's some danger when we over glorify something like obsession, because when you really think about it, um, if you're completely obsessed with something, then you're doing that thing at the cost of other things. So I think it's language um, really is what it, it's what it comes down to. And I'm a big proponent because I was the obsessive attachment type and I was addicted to what I was doing. And that hurt me in a lot of different ways. That was my experience. I also didn't have a team like Kobe, right? And I didn't have like a whole bunch of support infrastructures around me to keep me on par and all that kind of stuff. So the resources that they have access to versus the regular person is radically different. Um, so I just think it's it's about being mindful, choosing your words and language carefully and making sure that it doesn't overstep the boundaries that you have to have in place um, to ensure a healthy, happy life. And yes. as long as that's happening, then you're good. Yeah. <laughs> you can use whatever words you want. But um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think it's something that I, you know, come up to me right now and it, it, it's super important to realize especially this day and age that we're living in the social media and you know motivation inspiration passion is everywhere uh, at least so we think and we see yeah. yet especially talking about you know if it was kobe or someone else that you know it's it's doing amazing things in the world and talking about obsession and passion what we do not see is 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 the level of their mental emotional regulation abilities to 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 keep it together and, and those those that's a skill to me and that is a really hyper developed skill over the years yes. when somebody's never practiced that sort of internal self-state regulation yes. and you start thinking like hey i need to be obsessed i need to have this yeah. passion and, and you know driving that hard or having that sort of quote-unquote healthy obsession or healthy passion you know there's a whole bunch of other things that we don't see in the background that needs to be in check yeah. You talk about support, but it's just, you know, self-regulation, self-internal uh, state management. It's super important. And if we don't have that, then we're going to go off the rails very, very quickly. Thank so. you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. And thank you for bringing that um, into the space because you're absolutely yeah. right. Um, yeah. The resources at that level, when you're playing at that level, um, is absolutely required in order to be able to again it's all self-mastery right yeah. um, and those practices and those support infrastructures to help maintain and regulate that it's it goes hand in hand you cannot have one without the other Agreed. 100 yeah. all right we're starting to round up uh there's uh, again as i mentioned i wanted to you know this very healthy conversation going on in the chat there which uh which is really cool to see nice. I wanted to see I wanted to pick one question from here, um, uh, which is this one coming from Hal Eisenberg saying, what is one thing you wish everyone could learn that they are not currently learning in terms of passion or in general? Oh my gosh. Um, I feel like I've given you a lot of learnings today. But That's it. I've learned a lot. So I do think that when it comes to passion specifically, um, I would want people to understand 
I think, or, or start the process of understanding that it has nothing to do with passion. Passion passion's the output. And if we gave, and if I gave you a, a formula earlier, passion equals meaning times investment, I would say explore what's meaningful to you and you will get to understand what those outputs and those feelings of those outputs are. Um, and the more we can talk about meaning, perhaps, uh, the better conversations we can start having with ourselves, with other people, um, and the more um, the more able we are to move through a discovery process that's actually going to leave you somewhere good and juicy, um, and will get you to your to all of the passion that you can your soul can desire. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Something that um, that I heard, and I think you know, just really quickly, your thoughts on this. The, what I truly feel, I think, passion is something that it can also be developed, like through the skill, through the you know process of mastery, you become passionate about something because you've developed it over the years instead. And I think that's also a misnomer as people think that I should have it. It's something that you know everybody should feel. I, I, I think it can be developed. Would you agree? Or? Well, um, here's, a, here's some really cool things about developing. If you're developing, you're spending time with yeah. something <laughs> and it's got to probably be important or at least meaningful to you if you're spending time doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I I say the easiest way to think about this is to think about it like romantic love, right? There are some times where you can fall in love at first sight, sometimes. It doesn't happen all the time. But for other people, it takes time to develop a relationship. And inside of the developing of that relationship, you start to grow a love for that person. Um, if both of them are right ways. Neither of those are wrong ways. We, it's, it's our relationship with the thing and with ourselves that is going to impure the feeling over time, depending on what drives us innately to experience the feeling, right? And then the other thing, we had a statement come up the other night in another conversation, and it was a really good one. And the person was like, well, you know, I, I don't feel passionate all the time about this thing. And I'm like, well, that's cool. But guess what? I'm married. I love my husband, but I don't feel like I love him all the time. Sometimes, <laughs> I, don't him. Sometimes I don't want to talk to him, right? But like, but the love is still there. It's just, you know, you, you're experiencing it through all of these different emotions and emotions aren't static. They're always moving and always switching and always changing. And it's inside of that dynamism that we actually feel and incur more meaning in our lives that ultimately net out to having more passion. Mm-hmm. But we do need to move with the flow of our emotions and of life and of partnership. And these things evolve, they're nuanced. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm so scared sometimes to, um, to, to speak about these things in absolutes because our subjective experience needs to come into play in order for these conversations to really matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good one. That's a that's a good uh, good one to sort of start wrapping up. Um, instead of looking for passion, instead of developing or unlocking, uh, why don't we more take a step deeper? Take a step step deeper and go for the meaning, go for the purpose, and maybe pursue mastery and and, and see see how the passion then unlocks from there and activating it as as you like to 
like yeah. and there's one other thing too right so so i spoke a little bit about passion being about the 15 things mm-hmm. um, and you know and sometimes we we think that it's about just one thing and so we try to go after that one thing but it's it's really the relationship and the combination of these things that facilitate our ability to experience passion. And so what you're good at and what you get to mastery, that's one of the 15 things, right? And sometimes if you just focus on what you're good at, it doesn't always yield passion, right? There's many people in my corporate career, even myself included, that was very good at what we did. We learned to master a certain skill. It didn't mean it automatically came with passion. It just meant we got good at it and we learned how to do it. Did it make it more enjoyable? Perhaps. It's, be- it's better than sucking at the thing, but but by no means did it enlist passion. There was a lot of other ingredients that needed to come together in order to do that. I actually have an assessment um, for you guys, if you're interested, that helps you to measure where you are on the passion scale. So you can see for yourself the areas that are enabling your passion versus the areas that are maybe suppressing it or killing it. Um, and just starting from there is really good self-awareness to start building on what could I possibly do for myself to experience more of this emotion. Love it. Love it. But uh, I really want to respect your time and everybody else's time. It's been yeah. a pleasure and honor. And I'm super grateful for all the work that you do and also this hour that I was able to spend with you. It's, I, I've learned a lot for sure. I need to review couple things for sure but uh please please drop that link as i mentioned there and, and people can learn more about your work uh just lastly but about learning from more from your work where do you hang out mostly socially here you have your website i suppose you have your linkedin where you're super active um yep. are those the two main places where people can connect with you yeah we've got linkedin um website definitely passion center is spelled with an re not an er and we also do a ton of community engagement things. So we do mm-hmm. a live every week here called Passion Break on LinkedIn. We also do a Get Curious About Passion conversation. If you have communities that you want to bring this conversation to, that's the best way to do it. And our community manager, Tracy Gorison, usually heads that up for us. And, uh, and we do monthly master classes where people can just come into the experience at very low cost um, to them to see and experience for yourself and get deeper into your own um, passion drivers, let's call it. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, Kira Day, thank you so much. I thank I feel you. we only touched the surface here. I had a whole bunch of other questions here. But I think we may have to do a, a round two <laughs> in some yeah. point. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, you know, we, you know, so much about passion drivers and those like more sort of how to advise and so on and so forth. But that's actually good. Maybe people can learn more and, and connect with you that way. This is just a spark of curiosity and inspirational and motivational, hopefully for many. So I really want to thank you. And uh, yeah, go and check out Kira's work. It is definitely transformational. All her posts, especially on LinkedIn, they're always a bit longer. So you always have to like, okay, there comes the post. Let's sit down and let's sit down for this one. So. That's a good one. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Tomo. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. And uh, and I also love learning from you as well. So this has been a great collab. And anytime you want to have a conversation, just hit me up and we can do it. Thank you. I love it. Thanks so much. All right. Have a fantastic okay. day. Bye-bye. <laughs>